Thank you for listening to the Vine Church LV podcast. For more information, go to www.thevinechurchlv.com. So we're going to have a verse a section of scripture found in Acts chapter 2 that we're going to spend a lot of time in. Uh, we don't need to pull it up just yet. Um, we're going to spend a lot of time in it. For the next five weeks, it will be what we read at the beginning of every sermon. Uh, so, like, learn it, live it, love it. Like, because <laughs> that's going to be uh, where we're going. So, just to set the scene, um, it's perfect that this happens just after Easter. Because just after Easter, when Jesus comes back and, and the disciples finally begin to regroup, and, and the, you know, the, now they're apostles. They're not just disciples. And, uh, and they're surrounding themselves with each other, and they're in a room where there's 120 people, but still. Now, I want to make it clear, they actually already are the body of Christ. Because we became the body of Christ officially when Jesus' blood hit the ground. right? And so what's happening is the Spirit just hasn't let them know that yet right? Um, it wasn't the Holy Spirit that made the body. It was the death of Jesus. It was his breaking. It was the dying for his bride, right? That, that created a, a church, that created what he, his plan was for the future. Uh, so the people expected God to take the world by force as Jesus. But what God did is he expected us to take the world in, in a peaceful, loving way through Jesus and through his name and through his message. And that's what the church is, right? Uh, it's not our job to shake our city to its core. It's our job to just love Jesus, let other people learn the love of Jesus, and the city will naturally be shaken as a byproduct of people madly in love with God. Amen? And so the disciples find themselves in a moment where there's no Holy Spirit. They still don't entirely know what's going on yet. They've just had little glimpses. If you read the book of John, Jesus did breathe upon his disciples, and the Holy Spirit did fall on them for a moment. So they tasted what was to come, but they weren't in it just yet. And then the fire falls, right? And the tongues come down. And then people start acting weird. And then other people think it's too weird. And, and what I find interesting was, was the disciples didn't stop trying to be weird. They encouraged the people to come be weird with them, um, which is very counterintuitive, uh, which is actually one of the main points of this, this series, this five-week series. I'm calling it daily. And there's five things, so five weeks, that the disciples did daily that the apostles did daily, that the deacons did daily. What it created was a church that was unmovable and a church that 2,000 years later, we're still talking about what they did that day, right? So the tongues come and they start to speak and then Peter preaches a message and then, and then 3,000 people get saved. And uh, that's a fire message. Like, I don't know, like, like, you can go read what he said. It was probably paraphrased, but that's just like, that's the goal of every sermon, right? Like, <laughs> like, I want all these people to come to know Jesus. I want them to get saved. I want them to come unto repentance. So I preached, and then 3,000 people come forward. And so what happened was they went from, there's 120 of us, and we're in little groups to, okay, now there's 3,000. How, how do we do, how do we do this? <laughs> you know, um, which actually, I, I can I, I can feel that feeling just personally, like, okay, now, how do I do this, right? And that's what takes me to where the disciples are at, and they begin to band together. They begin to create a community. They begin to give to each other. They begin to, to, to give up of themselves for each other. They begin to hang out. They begin to like each other, <laughs> you know, which is, I think, a key to church. You know, we got that, like, I have, like, a godly love for you, but I think it's important that we, like, we like each other. Like, because Christians do that thing where, like, oh, I love them, but over there. <laughs> you know, like, like, you're so much more important to me 
in the back row. <laughs> you know, like when you're there and I'm here, I feel really close to you. And then I get to know you and I'm like, I don't, I don't really like them that much. Uh, but God actually began to bond them together, not just around an ideal, but around each other. And I think that's why the city that they were in got shaken. It wasn't shaken on the acts of 12 people. It started with 12, but it was shaken on the acts of thousands of people. Because we forget that when God really began to move his church out, it wasn't when Peter, it wasn't when Paul, it wasn't when Philip, Nathaniel, or James, it wasn't when they preached. It was actually a deep. I even preached. Everything went out. Right? But, but what led to that moment? A daily lifestyle. Not a weekly lifestyle. And not the lifestyle that we've been told as Americans that you're supposed to live. You know, uh, people love the idea of the church, a place they go once a week, and they feel a little better about how we've been the rest of the six days, right? And can I get an amen? Because that's, that's how I've treated church for a very, very long time. Um, and honestly, sometimes when I'm in a bad moment, I still do, <laughs> you know. But, um, but they, they had something more, and they had something greater. And uh, we're going to dive into that. And so what I want to be the foundation section of Scripture for our church, at least for this season going forward, is Acts chapter 2. I believe we're starting in verse 42, and we're going to go to verse 40, 47. So 3,000 people just got saved. They're not ready for this, but nothing big and nothing booming has actually happened yet besides the initial entrance of the Holy Spirit. So besides the looking of salvation, they haven't gone to the nations yet. They haven't gone up against the rulers yet. They haven't, they haven't done those big, mighty things that we look at the Bible and we think like, ooh, I want to be like that. That's what I want to do. That's what the church should look like. They haven't done it yet. Because the foundation hadn't been set yet. Right, and so, uh, yeah, shout out to Amelia again for making this little thing. It's so cute. Thank you for wooing. I appreciate it. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. All right, so uh, can you all say doctrine? Can you all say fellowship? Those are going to come up a lot today. Can you guys take, say, in the breaking of bread? And in prayers. Because we're going to read the whole thing, but we're actually going to spend the whole day on this verse. Right? But let's just go so we get an idea of where we're going. So verse 43. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Notice. Go back real quick. No, you're good. I, I didn't say anything. See, see the word then? Now go back one verse. So when this happened, then wonders. When they continued steadfastly in doctrine, when they fellowshiped together, when they broke bread together, and when they prayed together, then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. What happened? People felt so loved, they began to have a reverent fear of God. The apostles in the, the, the church so cared about each other that what it naturally turned into was people falling in love with God. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. We'll only have all things in common when we fear God. Right? When we have a healthy awe of the amazingness of God. We're living on one unshakable all things in common because we stop living for us and we start living for him. And so if we're all living on one unshakable hook, then we'll all be fine. The problem is, is we take that hook to our job that sometimes God hasn't called us to, and we'll take that hook to the relationship we want to have, and God didn't tell you to be with her, but, or him, or, or them. You know. um, God, God hasn't called you to that, but, but we're going to hook this into it. And so what happens is we begin to, instead of hooking on the unchanging nature of God, 
we, we demand him to change to fit what, what it is that we're looking for. Amen. But, but what, the reason why is we come to God and then we hear, look at all the crazy things the apostles did. Go do it. But we never became a part of the body. We never had a healthy awe of God. We just needed the money. Right? And so why I'm saying this happened daily, it was a process of learning each other and therefore learning God that turned into a healthy, thriving church. They sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone has need. I never hear anyone quoting that verse. Um, <laughs> yeah, unless I need something. Well, yeah, can I borrow your car? No. Well, see, they sold their possessions. Like, but no one's ever like, here's my car because they sold their possessions. Right? So continuing. That's, that's where he got the title. That's where he did it. Uh, so continuing daily with one accord in the temple. One accord. It's back again. And breaking bread. So how they start and how they end. It's like the end caps. That's where we're starting with this topic. Um, breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness. And simplicity of heart. I know some of y'all don't want to hear it, but you don't need a Lamborghini. You just need Jesus. <laughs> simplicity of heart. I think it's the psalmist or the proverb, the teacher who said, God, don't give me too much lest I forget my need for you. But don't give me too little that I'm tempted to steal. God, how do I stay in my lane? Simplicity of heart. Amen. We get God into our lives. And we still want because we haven't, there's still a God-sized hole that we're still trying to fill versus going and praying. Because unfortunately, and that's the thing that makes us uncomfortable, when God hasn't called us to uproot and go and then uproot and go and uproot and go and then go chase and see. My career said I have to move, so that must be God telling me to move. But it might not have been God. It might have been God telling I, I feel like sometimes when we do that, it's God telling us to leave your job. But we take it as God saying to leave our community. Um, and the Lord added to their church. Daily. Y'all say daily. Can y'all say it again? Can y'all say it one more time? Thank you, because it's going to be like, you guys are going to say that a lot this next month and a half or a month and a day or in a week, whatever. Yeah, I know what I'm talking about. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So what happens is the disciples, the apostles, and the deacons, what they did is they created a daily lifestyle that turned into a daily salvation for other people to daily join that daily lifestyle. And it was just a nonstop, constant thing. And there's something we've said many times. I don't want to be a part of a church where I can, when I have to talk about the miracles I've seen, I have to talk about the ones I saw a few months ago because I can't talk about the ones I've seen recently. And sometimes I think it happens to us here in this church. We'll go a couple months, and then God really starts to move again. And then we'll take a break because, I mean, God doesn't always want us to live like this. And then we'll, we'll do it again. And then, and then it'll be a crazy thing, and the church, we start to fill up, and then we really start to weed out because we, we kind of get used to it. We get distracted. We get back into our thing. And so what the apostles did is they set up an, an atmosphere of daily where they saw these things all the time. So in truth, this is a culture message. What is the culture of the Vine Church LV? What is, what is it that the Vine Church LV does daily? What is it that, that we believe God has called our people to do in every moment of every step of every day? And the reason why it's important, this is, this is the core, right? We've, we've been shaken in a way that we probably shouldn't have been shaken, and yet those of you sitting here, the core. And so what do we set? What kind of atmosphere do we set? 
that welcomes new people in and encourages them to stay. So I want to tell you something amazing that happened. I was at, we were at Sold Out last night. Shout out to E-Dub over there. Um, we had uh, some of our people going. My wife was painting. Will was rapping. Zach was hyping the crowd. I saw his boxers twice. Like, it was a great time. Erica dropped a spoken word that she said wasn't done, but it was totally done. It was beautiful. It was your best one, in my opinion. Uh, I really liked that one. It was fire. And we see our church is moving, and then people are coming in. And, and this one guy, I'd never heard of him before, and he just starts rapping. I'm, like, wanting to cry. And then, you know, it's just, it was a moment of just sheer unity. It was beautiful. There was like four or five churches represented in the room. And I, I said it. I don't believe anyone would have walked in and felt like it was multiple churches. They would have walked in and been like, wow, the fine church is popping. Right? It was because we were so unified together. And there was a youth pastor that came in and he rapped and he walked. Exactly. So when I show up at your church one of these days, I better get the same feeling. Or I'm going to throw a fit. Right? Because that's the atmosphere that we want to set. And that's the beauty of the Vine Church. But we had one of the guys walk up. and He's kind of been, from his perspective, He's kind of been going from place to place, not really fully sold out to God, but, but still on the same note, totally in love with God, just hurt and burnt out. And he walked up and he pulled me off to the side. And this guy, he's like, I, since my first time coming, because I think he's been to all three, but I won't say names just in case, you know, it's not my business, uh, all three. And, and he goes, you know, from the first time I walked in, I felt loved in this church. You know, uh, he started walking up. He goes, actually, I didn't even know you were a pastor because every time we talk about Iron Man, like, <laughs> like seriously, every time, like, we're talking about Thanos and spoilers. We talk about how, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> oh, First Thessalonians chapter four, the Lord is an Avenger. Do you know what I'm talking about? Anyway, uh, <laughs> it's in the Bible. I got a verse, and so I'm just going to hold on to it. But you're out of context. I'm going to hold on to it. That's my verse. Do you have a verse? No, you don't. Do you have a verse that says God isn't an avenger? Um, no, you do not. Uh, but he walks up, and so that's what we are talking about. That was the content of our conversation, by the way. And then uh, he pulls me to the side, and he goes, I'm going to try to get Sundays off. And he goes, it's so weird. I haven't experienced your church, but this is my home church. And it was an atmosphere that was set. And actually, we couldn't even take full credit for it because there were four other churches helping set that atmosphere. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, wait a second. Is this the book of Acts? I think this is the book of Acts. You know what I'm saying? And so we run into a pastor, and he's trying to do 100 days of summer. And he's trying to do a, every summer, every day, a church takes a day and feeds the homeless. And all the other 99 churches support it. So guess what we did? We signed right up, right? Because there was unity, and there was beauty, and there was God. And so we're like, yeah, we're going to be all about that. Amen? Um, yeah, I preached on it. I don't even know what I'm talking about anymore. No, I'm kidding. Um, but, that's, but that was the church, and that was the, the beauty of it, right? And so how do we live daily? Because it's easy to live that way in a moment. But it's hard to live that way every day. It's hard to live that way when we have a diagnosis that we don't like or we're working at a job that we don't really like right? It, 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 then it's hard to live that way. But God said daily. And so, so will we. Amen. Um, I'm going to pray. I'm going to party. Uh, dear Lord in heaven, I lift up every person in this room right now, Father God. God, I pray that you would just open up hearts to receive your word, God. I pray that you would help me preach because <laughs> you know I need it, God. God, may this whole thing just depend on you. May it bring you glory. And may your name be shouted in this place, God. And in Jesus' name I say, amen.
you know that one kid that everyone knows? Everyone knows that one kid that, like, even though he's, like, 12, he hangs out with six-year-olds? Right? I wasn't that one kid, but I hung out with that kid. And then everyone thinks he's the coolest, and then he thinks he's the coolest because the six-year-old thinks he's really cool. Right? And, uh, <laughs> and so, so, so I had a friend that was like that, and he hung out. He showed us, like, the way. Like, he was like, here's what you do and all this. Like, uh, any much, as much wisdom as a 12-year-old can give a six-year-old, right? Like, but he was, he was my mentor. <laughs> yeah, like, he was everything I was looking for. And he used to make uh, modeled airplanes. The weirdest thing. But he would, he would take it from scratch. Like, I'd seen when they come out, they're like 10, 20, 30 different pieces. And you have to, like, glue it and put it together. And, and I always wanted to, like, I always wanted to play with one. And by the way, I'm going to tell you a story about the last time we ever hung out. Uh, so I always wanted to play, <laughs> just so you know where it's going. I always wanted to play with one. And, uh, and he always told me no. And the second someone says, don't do this, I'm six. I don't know Jesus yet. Like, my immediate reaction is, like, you know, like, finding Nemo. Don't touch. I'm going to touch the butt. Like, you know, <laughs> which is the story of how I got married. But, um, but the boat, they called it a, a, a boat. <laughs> they're like, they're like don't, don't go out there and touch it. And so what does Nemo do? And, and, then, and then he gets taken, and that's, that's his own sermon, right? <laughs> like, listen to your parents. Um, but he wasn't my dad either. And so he's saying, don't touch this and that. And so I thought, because I'd never seen him build one, I just thought he bought a bunch of airplanes. And so I'm sitting there like, oh, they're, they're made to be flown. Like, I'd see him messing with them and doing his thing with them. And I was like, oh, they're made to be flown. Uh, so one day there was, like, one. And it was like, the, it was, like, the mother of all of those things. And I was like, that's the one. Like, if I'm ever going to break the rules and touch one, there it is. And he had just gotten it. And I was like, this is the one. And so he leaves. He goes to the restroom. And I grab it. And he was still drying. And what I did is I picked it up. And I threw it. And for about five seconds, it was the most glorious thing in the world. Like, it was like, you know, when they're like, it's a bird, it's a, no, it's Superman. Like, it was like, it was like, oh, my God, like, I'm going to get all of them. And then it starts to fall apart in the sky. And then I left. So I don't know how the story ends. Uh, so that, that's as far as I know in the story. Like, I was just like, oh, cool. And then I went home, and I was never there. And you can't prove I was there. Um, so that's just something we all know now. Uh, but, but see, what, what happened was I thought this thing was ready to fly, and I thought it was ready to go, and I didn't realize it took a lot of little parts to make it go, right? And so what happens is we first get to know God, and we first come to know God. I'm telling you, you hear the stories of these people who first find faith, and it's so awesome, but it's like, it's kind of weird. Like, like, I've heard the story of the, ki the kid who just found Jesus, and he's like telling his pastor, he's like, hey, uh, I'm trying to get my friend healed, and like, it was so annoying. I was running past him, trying to get my shadow to land on him, and it just wouldn't land on him, because the way the light was, and the pastor's like, what? What are you talking about? And he's like, well, yeah, in the Bible, when Peter's shadow hit people, so I'm trying to get my shadow. And it's like, that's awesome. Like, what kind of faith? Like, this guy's, like, convinced. Like, if my shadow touches this guy, it's over. And so he's, like, just trying to get his shadow on people. And, like, that's, that's like, a weird, like, what do you throw up to people, right? But he was doing that because he had this extreme faith. And then what do you think happened? Where do you think the disappointment was when they didn't instantly get healed? Because we read these big stories, and we want it now. But there's a lot of little pieces that's going to make that plane fly, right? And so in those little, little pieces is our daily get-together. So how do we
learn to love each other right. Because what's today's message called? A devoted family. So daily, they were a devoted family. Uh, if we go to John chapter, is it 15 is the first one? Sorry, I have a 15 and a 13, and I don't have a podium. Yeah, it is. Greater love has none than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You can keep that there. Because that'll preach. Like, if we just sat down and looked at that verse for 30 minutes, you could leave and be like, it was a fire day at church today. Um, Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. And so what did Jesus do? He died for his church. There's a thing called the law of firsts. Have you guys heard of that? It's a theological term. The first time something comes up in the Bible, if it's a repetitive topic, it's, it's, it's in in particular important. And the last time something comes up, it's called the law of last. The last time it's mentioned, it's in particularly important, right? So for instance, faith, hope, and love are the good thing he gave us, but he intentionally mentioned love last because it was the most important of the three, right? Um, And so it's the law of first and the law of last. And so um, I did a, a crazy study recently on God asking man questions. And then, and then I accidentally stumbled upon, because I wasn't even thinking about it, the first question someone ever in the Bible ever asked God. So the first time in the Bible someone asked God, does anyone know the question? Just out of curiosity, you don't have to know. I didn't know until like two or three days ago. Right, so there's a story of Cain and Abel. And they're giving their fruit and their animals. And then God comes and says to Abel, you know, I've accepted you and your offering. And he says to Cain, I haven't accepted you or your offering. And then Cain in jealousy kills Abel. And then God appears to Cain and says, where is your brother? By the way, fun fact, that's the seventh question God ever asked someone. So the seventh time God asked a question was the first time man responded. Cool stuff. I don't know if it means anything. It's just cool. Uh, but then the, the, in that moment... The first time anyone ever questioned God was this, am I my brother's keeper? So the first thing someone ever questioned God on was, why do I have to care about him? Why is it my job to watch after him? Can I ask a question in this church today and really be honest? Do you believe you're your brother's keeper? And a lot of times in our heart we do. But then when we see a brother stumbling or falling or doing something we disagree with, we watch him tumble so we can appear loving. And so what happened is I stopped being my brother's keeper so that he would perceive me as his keeper, right? And so I, it's less about what is and more about how you perceive me. And see, that, that's never going to last because if we're all a group of people who want to look like a group of people that love each other, we'll never really love each other. We'll just love our perspective and, our, and how other people perceive how we love them. And if I love you so that you'll know that, you know, if I, if I love on you so that you know I love you, that's not a good reason to love you. Right? And so what Jesus says, it's not really love unless you'll give it all up for them. And so but that's a daily decision that we have to make. Who do I love more, me or Elder John? And we don't know until the question gets thrown in our face. And we don't know until we're put in a position where we're tired and we're broken and we just want to go home. But someone needs us 
And so we decide in that moment, who matters most to Jesus? Just lost the greatest prophet from his own words the world has ever known. This is something I've told you guys before. But Jesus, the human aspect of God, just lost his cousin. So God is actually hurting to some degree from every aspect of who he is. Now, does God need, does not God want? No, absolutely not. But you get what I'm saying, right? And so from some certain aspect of God is in pain. And it says that Jesus is going to the mountain to pray. Why is he going to the mountain to pray? He's heartbroken. He just lost his family. And in their culture, family actually means more than it does in our culture. It really does. They're not, they're, we're an individualistic society. Kids out when 18, and I'm back to my life again. They're not. I, I own, you're mine forever. You're my problem forever. And Jesus is going to get up because he just needs a break. He just needs a break. <laughs> he just... <laughs> Sorry, I I caught that. He just needs a break. And he turns around and there's people there. He turns around and there's people there. And the Bible says that when Jesus looks at them, he sees them as sheep who have no shepherd. And so the Bible says in his compassion, he turned around and said he ministered until daybreak. I did the math. When he was tired, when he was broken, when he just needed to get a break, he ministered for another 20 hours. 20 hours, even the most, um, oh man, the least, the most, like even to someone who's just trying to give as least credit as possible, it's still 12 hours, right? So let's just say 12 hours of pushing when he was done because of compassion, because he had something to teach his people about community. And so when the pedal hit the metal, he showed them when you're tired, when you're broken, you love and you'll get filled. Amen? But who are my friends? First John chapter something. First John chapter one. Oh yeah, there's only one chapter. Dang it. <laughs> I could have known that. There's only one chapter in the book. Uh, so first John. Well, oh, you're right. Never mind. I'm right. You're wrong. Uh, there's five chapters, but it was obviously the first. Uh, First John chapter one, verse seven. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. What does walking in the light mean? Being saved, (laughs) living like Jesus lives. If you're living like Jesus lives, you will have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son cleanses us from sin. So if you're the point of salvation demands the point of community. I have a verse. And if you actually continue and read, John will later say, he'll say, if the love of God abides in you, you will love one another. Right? The love of God is a, is a salvation thing. Having the love of God in us means we're exuding it. Right? Because Jesus taught from the abundance of the heart, the mouth is going to speak. And so if in my heart is love of God, then I'm going to speak the love of God. Amen. And so if we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin, boom, only if we're walking in the light. I'm going to give you one more verse and then we're going to, we're going to run. Where were we at? 20? 20 minutes. Yeah, I don't even need that long. Uh, but by this, all will know that you are my disciples. And then he told them who to love. And then this verse, right? So John chapter 15, how to love. First John chapter 1, who to love? Each other. Fellowship. This verse, when you love each other, people will get saved. We see the progression 
of love, and we see that love inevitably turns into other people getting saved. That's stupid awesome. I, uh, I saw a story recently. It was a very anti-Christian story, but whenever I read those, there's always a nugget of something that we can pull out. And it was a woman uh, who went to Planned Parenthood. Uh, and she said she gets outside, and people are holding signs, and they're telling her, you know, going to hell, that whole thing. I've seen people do it lovingly, but more times it's not. Right, but I get what they're doing because literally someone's about to get murdered. So like, I would step in because that's the stance, right? I firmly believe abortion is murder. Um, but she goes in and she's getting yelled at. And she goes in and she does her, her what she was there for. And she leaves and a, and a Christian looks at her and says, uh, you know, you're going to hell for what you did, right? And she left and she said, yeah, I was renewing my birth control prescription. But now she's radically against the church. Something provocative about love is love is regardless. Love isn't a feeling or an emotion. It's an action. And uh, sometimes in the name of loving one person, we'll demonize another. And then if the church doesn't love each other, we can't love the world, right? Because, see, I do have a vision. Do you, do you, do you know that when a woman goes and when she does that and when she gives, gets an abortion or something, you know, I do believe there were two victims in the equation. I do believe that child, but I believe that woman also is too. And someone's got to love her also. But we're so busy mad at her for what she's done because, honestly, we don't really like each other that much. So how can we like her? We've made an enemy that we can all have in common instead of a God that we all love each other around. And so now we have an enemy, and it's her for doing what she did. So so you're going to hell. But you know what she needed? She probably needed a hug. And the truth is, if we backpedal this, she probably made that decision because she couldn't afford something because the dude left. And then there's a, the statistical chances that her dad left too. And so in the face of everyone leaving her and she feels cornered like there's nothing else to go, and where was the church during that whole process? Oftentimes arguing in the building instead of going out and loving the world because we haven't learned to love each other, so we can't love those who are broken yet. And then Jesus would show up to her and the church would reject Jesus because he would sit with her and he would love her and he would show her a better way. Amen? But he loved his disciples emphatically. So he could love everyone else fully. But before we could do that, before we can get there, before we can love the broken, because I do have a vision. I want to see the murder rates in this city go down. How do they go down? Not with more laws, with more love. I sound like a hippie, but it's true. It's what Jesus preached. <laughs> it's what Jesus preached. Not acceptance. Not accepting what you've done but accepting you. Do you know what agape means? We call it a God love. Do you know what it actually means? It's true, it is a God love. But, but, and so the reason why only God, we say as Christians, can agape love is because Deacon Dante, you're actually worth something, not because of anything you've done, but because of the God who loves you. And that gives you worth. And that's what agape love is, right? And so every person that we're dealing with, every person that we're hating on, that we're struggling with, that we're headbutting with, you have to realize something that God agapes them. And so that person has worth. You can't demonize them because he accepted them because he has a plan for them. And maybe some of them won't get to know him at the end of their lives, but don't let it be because the church wasn't there. Amen. I want to see the murder rates go down.
I, I, and, and not because of laws, because of people. I want to see abortions going away, and not because Planned Parenthood was defunded, but because they don't want to get abortions anymore because they feel loved, and because they keep their children because they recognize agape, and they don't let another person touch them because agape, because you can't touch me because I know what I'm worth, right? But that, that's what's going to get rid of this stuff. You know, the truth is, is when 9-11 happened, the churches were bigger than they'd ever been they were bigger than they'd ever been. <laughs> that was awesome. Uh, they were bigger than they'd ever been in, in years, in years. And the military rose bigger than it had ever risen in years. That was awesome. I heard a story one time about someone who walked off and they kept walking. And I'm like, where was God on that one? Um, but, um, <laughs> but years, but here's what happened. After a few years, the church went back to exactly where it was before. And the military still has the same statistics as 9-11. At least it did a couple years ago. I haven't checked in like two years. So what happened was when people were in pain, they looked to the church and didn't see an answer. But they looked to the military and they saw an answer. They probably saw a bunch of old people yelling at each other and a bunch of young people being rebellious and no one actually doing what God has called them to do. And so they're like, oh, this is a mess. And so they didn't stay because the church didn't love each other. I know a, a guy, I used to live in Reedley, California, and there was a guy in our church who got saved. Right? The church that we went to. I wasn't Christian. The youth pastor saved my life, literally, and so I'd go to church. Um, and this guy gets saved. He was part of a gang. And he gets saved. He gets prayed in. We pray for him. He gets baptized and everything. And then a few months later, he actually stopped showing up. And I'll never forget the day because I didn't have the conversation with him. But later I was sitting with Jared, which, and we're like, dad. And his dad was kind of like, he ran into the kid and he talked to him. And he came back furious. And we're like, what's wrong? And what he was telling us was like, Basically, what this kid told him was, when I found God, like, I'd come out of gangs, and people told me I'd find a family I'd never found before. Uh, but when my life was struggling, the church didn't show up, and the gang did. And so what happened was he had a perspective that the, at least the gangs would be there for him because the church wasn't going to be. And so I, I have a, it's a struggle in me that's been, I've thought about ever since that day. It's actually lived with me ever since that day. And I've actually heard similar people talk about it because it's actually something that's happening in the country is when, when when problems happen, the church pulls off people. When the church is supposed to surround and love. Right? Now, there are certain circumstances, if you look in the Bible, where Paul says, send them out for a season. But, like, not 12, 13, 15, 45 people. It's one or two who are causing real issues. Right? Uh, but as a general rule, it's like, oh, you're struggling right now? Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk off. And so we, we don't love each other. And that's what we have to do. Four ways. Four ways that the book of Acts says they built community. And we'll go one at a time, and then we, we will close out. Uh, thing one, doctrine. So one of the little things they did daily was they built up their doctrine together. I think in the American church, this is the only thing that we've done right. We've kept Sunday services, which centralizes us all in a doctrine together. Right? And so why is that important? It's actually the first step of community. It's the foundational step of community. And here's what I mean by that. If me and Aaron, hi Aaron Hanoyan, you're going to be my example. If me and Aaron Hanoyan don't know each other that well, which we do, I love him, he's beautiful, uh, but we surrender and we surround ourselves around the doctrine that God wants us to feed people, feed the homeless, right? Let's just use an example. And so we both went out in the streets and we were feeding the homeless people in the city. 
and someone showed up, and even if we barely knew each other, and someone showed up and started yelling at me saying that I was wrong, Aaron would still come to my defense, even if we didn't know each other, because of our proximity to the truth, right? And so, so what happens is me and Aaron did a great work, not because of our relationship with each other, but because of our relationship with the truth, right? It's the first step in building a community, but then what's the next step? Breaking bread. And so right now, as a people, we're surrendered around a doctrine. But then when God begins to move on people, and they begin to break bread, what happens? They begin to open their doors. That word of breaking bread is like hospitality. That word also translates to carbs. So gluten. But uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, so they're, they're breaking carbs. Um, yes. They're breaking carbs. And, uh, and well, yeah, but you're opening your door to me by nature of the proximity we have to the truth. And so they're, they're starting to build a little bit with each other. And then what happens after that? What naturally grows is fellowship, which is also in that section of scripture. And fellowship is when we go from people who eat together and people who are surrendered to God together to people who actually like each other. Right? And so if you don't like the people in your church, go eat. Go eat with them. Because the truth is, most people would actually like each other if they actually took the time to get to know each other. This world is a lot more unified, honestly, than people think it is. I spent so long thinking everyone's against everyone, against everyone, against everyone. But I had four churches in this church last night. And we were so unified. We were so on the same place. Many of you guys who I barely know, when we sit down and talk, it's like, wow, we have so much in common. And actually, I've bonded with many of you through little moments of conversation that begin to, you know what, we should hang out. That began into us liking each other. And then once we actually liked each other, the last thing they did was they prayed together. Once I like you, I'll be open with you about what I'm struggling with. And so it transitions from being a friend into being someone who could actually ruin me because they know many of my secrets, but who I trust won't through fellowship, through the breaking of bread, and through the doctrine together, right? And so they did this stuff daily, and it's, it's so little, and it's so practical. And where's the big boom of the message? There isn't one. There shouldn't have to be one, right? There should just be community, people who like each other, people who love each other, people who want to talk about the Bible together, and people who will be open with each other. And here's the thing. If you won't cross that line, you won't make it in any church you go because you'll never have that unity. And if you don't have that unity, then the miracles happen. God won't move in a church unless the church is with each other and they're for each other. When we like each other and when we're open with each other and when we're praying together and when we're eating together, then God's going to move. Because the people, the people wanted Jesus to come into this world they wanted him to put his foot down, and they wanted him to rule. But Jesus apparently didn't want a group of people that are surrendered around the fact that he's totally in charge, which, by the way, he is, and we are surrendered to that, and we do love him for that. But it wasn't just that. He wanted us to like each other. He wanted a community to get built. And so instead of just coming and ruling, he went to the cross. And just like when God and when Adam was alone, and Adam needed an answer for his loneliness, so God cut out of his sight a rib and made him a wife. When Jesus is hanging on the throne... He's hanging on the cross and the world needed an answer for something. Jesus didn't step down. He let someone pierce his side and out of his side poured his blood. When his blood hit the ground, that was an announcement of what his church was going to go affect. And so he wanted his church to change the world, not him to change the world. And so just like the first Adam, the second Adam let his bride come from his side. And then he passed on. And he didn't come down from that cross alive. He was carried off dead. And when he resurrected, he talked for 30 days, and then he left. And he says, I'm not coming back unless the bride is perfect and spotless. What do we say? 
Oh, the world is so bad. Jesus must be coming back soon. Well, the Bible says he's coming back when the bride looks beautiful, not when the world looks like hell. Right? And so this was never about just surviving until Satan made everything so terrible. This was about racism leaving the church, right? This was about my way or the highway leaving the church. This is about pride leaving the church. This is about people being humble and in love with God and feeding the homeless. And one day Jesus is going to show up. Amen. He's looking for. And that's what he made us to be. Amen. I close with this. We on. 10 minutes early, see that? Boom, you're welcome. Do community for 10 minutes. Um, <laughs> oh, I, I'll take Aaron, yeah. We'll make it really anointed. Uh, who knows, I might go for another 10 minutes then. Um, Malcolm Mugridge uh, said something. Uh, I don't know if any of you guys know who he is, but I do, he's awesome. Um, he said, only dead fish swim with the stream. And um, everything we talked about, picking people over you, Right? Wisdom, fearing the Lord. Actually spending time with each other and not picking your introvert's ways, but eating together. Opening your home for each other. It's countercultural. It's actually weird. And in our culture, it's something that we weren't raised that way. Some of us were, right? A few of us were, but as a whole, we just weren't. You know, I, mean, I didn't even really grow up with my parents. I grew up with like friends, you know, not really knowing father figures at first. Dad came into my life for real, like really got a hold of me when I was 17. And then the second I turned 18, I left. Um, and so th- this isn't natural for me. It's actually against everything that I personally believe as a human when I'm in my own flesh and my own emotions. It's like I like to hang out and, and do crazy stuff and, and probably get high and, and drink and do something dumb. And then I like to go home and ignore everyone for a few hours until I'm going to go out and do it again. And it really, I didn't show up for you. I showed up because of the byproduct of what, what I get to forget when I'm with you, right? That's, that's, that's my thing, right, without Jesus. Um, so this is counter what I was taught. This is counter how I grew up. I was taught to take care of myself, to do my own thing, to, you know, if, if you don't like what they say, you don't need them, you know? This is not what God called us to do. And so if only a dead stream, if only a dead fish flows to the stream, well, the Bible says that salvation is coming from death to life. And that if we want to swim and we want to soar, then there has to be life. But the problem is you have to go against the current in order to live. And if we really want to see the city change, we have to go against the current of what the city is wanting. Because the answer to the church was never to be, you know, the answer to the city was never for the church to be relevant. It was for the church to be alive. Right? People come to our church when we're alive and when we're healthy and when we're doing what it is that God does. There's a reason why whenever people come to our church and we're really on it, what do they always say? I've never felt so loved before. And they'll want to come back. Amen? And sometimes they don't. But most of the time, they, they do. And we'll only leave because a tight-knit community inevitably creates headbutts, creates conversations that are uncomfortable. And people are honestly afraid of that. And I know personally, I am. I don't like it. I don't like confrontation, but 
Confrontation breeds deeper levels of relationship. And if you're not willing to have a confrontation with someone, you'll never get deep with someone. My deepest friendship in my life is Teacher Thomas, and we'll headbutt all the time. We still headbutt all the time. It's awesome. It's beautiful. You know? But what it creates is deeper levels of knowing each other. So we're not afraid of that. We, we can't let the arguments ruin the relationships. We have to let them take us deeper. We can't be afraid to be honest. We have to go deeper with each other. And that's terrifying. And if you're not there and you're not ready, that's actually okay. But the plane won't fly. Until those, yeah, brought it back. The plane won't fly until those pieces are put together correctly. And it's the little things. The city gets changed when a church is consistent daily. And so I want us to change our neighborhoods. But first we have to change the building. And then all these here, I'll tell you what, you know what, like we probably all should do as a people who love this neighborhood, all of y'all should probably thumb up on what Jehovah's Witnesses believe because they're right across the street, right? I mean, that could be Sunday conversations, Monday, Thursday interactions, just talking, not arguing, loving them so much, you know? Um, we have neighborhoods all around and we're going to go into them, uh, but I want them to come in to something together and tighten it something that, that actually cares for them. And I get the courage to love someone unconditionally when I've been unconditionally loved. Right? And what gives me the courage to get used by someone is when the guy that I used for two, three, four years is right there with me, and I know I can lean on him. If we're consistent, people will use us. They'll mistreat us. It won't be what we want, but it'll turn into the thing we always prayed for. Amen? People don't change right away when they find God a lot of times. So they need someone. They're struggling through their thing. Right? Because, I mean, if someone finds Jesus and they're a homosexual and they come into our church, they probably won't go away right away. And do we have the courage to love them during that? Not to admit that it's right, but just to love them anyway. We will if we love each other that way. It's going to start here. It's going to start here. Amen? Dear Lord in heaven, I pray for every person in this room right now. God, teach us to love each other like you love us. Teach us to be one with each other like you are one with us. And God, I pray that from that place of genuine love, Father God, that something will pour out of this building, God, that is so uncontainable, Father God, that without you would be so unsustainable, Father God, that could only be a miracle, Lord God. We believe that in this place of unity, God, that we will see miracles, and from that place of miracles, Father God, we will see people come unto you, God, hungry and thirsty, Father God, and I thank you because you've placed the answer within us to feed those hungers, Father God, and to feed those thirsts, Father God, and to make us well as a body so that we can be well as a city so we can be well as a nation God I pray that we would dream big but have the wisdom to stay small and Lord I love you and I praise you and I pray that all of us in here would learn to love you in a deeper way God by loving the people whom you so dearly love as well and in Jesus name I say amen